get excited, Lord, in your house, that we can lift up our voices and praise you, Lord, that we can clap our hands and raise our hands to you, Lord, because you are worthy. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would, uh, that you would bless our service, Lord. And most of all, Lord, I pray that your presence would be here with us, that you would meet with us here this morning, Lord. Father, I pray that you would anoint Brother Marvin, Lord, as he speaks the word. Father, I pray that as, you, as he delivers the message you've given him, Lord, for your people, Father, that we would be receptive to it, Lord, that you would use this time, Lord, to speak to us, to convict us, Lord, to guide us in the way that we need to go. Lord, as we look around and see the tribulation, Lord, we know that you are in control, and we just thank you for that, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. Be with those that are sick this morning that couldn't make it, Lord. Heal their bodies. Father, be with those that are struggling this morning, maybe with something in their life, Lord something that doesn't belong, I pray, Lord, that you would give them victory over that. Father, I pray that you would just uh, have your way in this service, Lord. If there's somebody here, Lord, who's never accepted Jesus, I pray that today, Lord, that no matter what's going on around them, Lord, that they would come forward and that they would give their heart and their life to you. We thank you for everything that you do, Lord, everything that you're going to do. And we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning. It was good to see you this morning. Unless we are recovering from a holiday, we'll be uh, recovering for the next month because it doesn't usually get back to usual till after Christmas. Amen. But I don't know about y'all. How many of you are looking forward to spending time thinking again and looking at the Christian narrative to, of Christmas, the birth of our Savior? We got two more Sundays, this one and next Sunday, to finish up the series we've been doing on the seven churches and then we're going to be looking at the Christmas story for the rest of the month of December and preparing for that but today as we are continuing I want to invite you to turn to your Bible with me in the book of Revelations chapter 3 we're going to be looking at the sixth church we've looked at um, the, the first five already and these letters that Jesus wrote to the seven churches and how relevant how real and seasonal it is for where we are as a church today we know previously I'm just going to run over this right quick for someone who may have not been here Jesus wrote these seven letters. He gave them to John. He said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And he gives you a list of those churches. Here they are. We see that he didn't give him six churches. He didn't give him eight or any other number. He gave him seven. Seven being in the Bible, God's number of completeness, seven days for creation and that we believe, most of us, that this is a picture of the church throughout the church age, from the birth of the church, from the day of Pentecost, to the end of the church when Jesus comes back and raptures us out. That this is the complete picture of the condition of the church throughout the church age. Jesus specifically chose these seven churches because they represent the particular churches illustrate of all the possible spiritual conditions for future churches throughout the church age. And so since we're in that church age now, these letters to these seven churches are messages from Christ that reveal to us the church today and how to be ready for the next big event, the coming of Jesus, his return. And so as we've been looking at that today, we're looking at the church of Philadelphia, the faithful church. We've looked at the first church, the church of Ephesus, which was the loveless church. It had left its first love. Jesus was no longer first love. And we've seen that. And the second church was the persecuted church, the church of Smyrna. And then we've seen a picture of how we can see people dodging that persecution, didn't want to suffer for Jesus. The church of Pergamos was the 
the, the compromising church. It compromised the, their doctrinal beliefs and theology and they washed down the word of God and then the next church, the church of Pergamos, was the church that was corrupted in their moral standards and we've seen how that happened to that church and then the church of Sardis, the dead church that thought it was alive but Jesus said it was dead. And today we're looking at my favorite one of the whole group. It's an encouraging to think to be part of the faithful church to the Lord Jesus Christ, of his servants who are doing the work of ministry out of everything going on on the earth today. The primary place, the place where Jesus is doing his redemptive work is in the body of Christ, the church, and that's us. And as we look here today, I want us to read this great church that Jesus commended. It's one of the only one of the churches out of the the seven, this one and the church that was being persecuted, the only two that he didn't have something to condemn them for, to just praise them. And it starts out in verse 7. It says, and to the angel, that's the messenger, the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God in the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, today we pray that you continue to show us, teach us, encourage us, Lord, the importance of being faithful servants to you, our Lord. Help us to learn from this great church and teach us the way. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, you read there, the first thing, Jesus introduces himself. He introduces himself as the holy one, the, 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 tr- the true one. He says right there, these things says he who is holy, he who is true. But then he says something else. We understand him being holy. He's God. He's the highest authority. Him being true. He has all truth and righteousness and but he says he opens and no one shuts and he shuts and no one opens. He has the key of David. That's significant. That means of his authority. All authority belongs to Jesus. The one who is holy, the one who is true, who has the key of David. And he says to this church, he says, I open and no one shut and shuts and no one opens. Guys, today we need to understand that God is the one who opens the door for revival. He's the one who opens the door for spiritual awakening. He gives the church an opportunity to serve him each and every day, but he tells us what to do. We don't do what we want to do and ask him to bless it. We get it backwards. And guys, God already has a plan. He was going to open a door to this church because of their faithfulness. I want you to see this. In Revelations, the first thing that he said to every church is, I know your works. And guys, because we believe in the gospel message that we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace through faith, a lot of times we're kind of don't teach the importance of works as much as we should. 
And if you focus on works a whole, whole lot, they'll begin to call you legalistic. They'll begin to say, well, he's preaching our works salvation. But God, I want you to understand something. We're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. We're saved by grace. Oh, yeah, that's true. But I want you to see something. He said, I know your works. The first thing Jesus said when he looked at every one of those churches is, I know what you do. I know how you serve me. I know your works. And he told them, I know your works. And because of your works, I'm going to set this door before you that no one can close, that only I can open. It's an unbelievable blessing of opportunity for this church. Because listen, we understand, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It's through Calvary. It's through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. It's totally received by just believing and trusting. It's a gift from God, not of works as any should, should boast. That's how everyone in here is saved. But guys, once you are saved, you're saved to do works for Jesus. Look what that next verse says. We leave this one out. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? To go to church and believe? No, for good works. And not only did he create us to do good works in Jesus Christ, but he pre-planned, he prepared beforehand, before he ever saved us, the good works he has for each one of us that we should walk in them. That means we should walk through those opportunities, those open doors. Guys, I don't know about you, but I'm astounded when I look at the grace that God has bestowed upon me and my wife and our ministry and the doors he has opened to me and gave me the privilege to serve him, to minister for him. Amen? And for you too, if you love Jesus, he opens doors. He gives you an opportunity to be a blessing, to be a witness, to be a representative, to be what? A servant to him and to be a minister for him. And guys, there's nothing greater on earth you can do with your life then serve Jesus Christ. To allow him to use you for his glory, to be a blessing to others as he uses us to win this lost and dying world to Christ. Friends, listen, we are created for good works. But guys, I want you to understand something. When he says right here, I know your works, see I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. This door in the New Testament, an open door is lots of times expressed as an opportunity for ministry i want to show you something when the apostle paul went on his first missionary journey when he came back this is what he said now when they had come and gathered the church together after going out on his first missionary journey and preaching the gospel he reported all that god had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the gentiles me being a gentile i'm thankful that god opened the door of opportunity for the gospel to go out to us and not only for the Jew and that we're saved by the gospel. Paul went out and he preached and God opened the door. Everywhere Paul went, man, the Gentiles were responding to the gospel and he was preaching to Jesus and people were getting saved and churches were being planted. Paul said, God opened that door of faith. We didn't just decide to go preach to the Gentiles. God told us to. Look at what he says in another place. An open door equals an opportunity for ministry in the gospel. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me by the Lord. If you remember, after Paul's first missionary journey, when he got ready to go on his second, he was going to go back to where he had been ministering. But the Holy Spirit forbid him and said no. And God gave him a dream and he seen a man in Macedonia. And he realized that God was saying, go to Macedonia. And so he went to Troas. And because he listened to God, he was led by God. The Spirit of God had pre-planned. God knew that it was at Macedonia. He went to Troas, and there was an open door. 
And look what he says, for a great and effective door is open to me. That was at Corinth, one of the churches that he planted on that trip. But guys, Paul realized that it was so important that we understand that for our ministry to be fruitful, for it to see a degree of success, success being accomplishing eternal things, salvations, changed lives, churches planted and made healthy and growing, he understood that God had to open those doors. Even to the point he said, meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also in chains. What's he saying? I'm in chains. He was in prison. Paul's in prison and he's saying, look, prison ain't going to stop God. Even though I'm in prison, I'll say, pray for me that God will open the door. Did God open the door? Oh yeah, he was winning Praetorian soldiers to the Lord. Caesar's own household was getting saved. Friends, listen, the gospel cannot be stopped. God wants it to go forward, but he opens those doors and he gives churches opportunity. That's what he's talking about here. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful to know that you think God is up there thinking, well, with all this going on, probably can't win anybody. Do you think COVID has stopped God? Do you think he's still opening doors of opportunity? Do you think he still plans on the church getting through this and moving forward and doing the work of ministry and winning people to Christ? Friends, I bet you he has. And friends, I don't know about y'all, he's looking for a church like this church. You see, this church was filled with faithful servants. I'm going to show you how faithful they were. They weren't giving in. They weren't stopping. They was keeping going for Jesus. You see, what we need to understand is Jesus is the Lord and the church are his servants. Now, we don't like to look at ourselves as servants very much, especially in the way that the Bible speaks of us as a doulos. You know what a doulos is? That's what a servant is. It means bond slave. Friends, there ain't many of us that would think of it being a blessing to be a bond slave of Jesus. But I don't know about you, I was a bond slave of sin. I was a bond slave to Satan. And I sure like being a bond slave to Jesus better than them. How about you? Amen? And friends, it's who you serve that becomes your master. And we can serve Jesus today. Jesus opens doors of opportunity for his church so that we can go and serve him. And guys, I'm amazed. He said to this church, I know your works. (laughs) And because of your works, I'm going to set a door of opportunity, a door that no man can close, a door that only I can open. And I'm going to open it up to you. Friends, I don't know about you, but we need some doors opened in America We need the church to be given permission, be given opportunity to invade our culture and our society for the cause of Christ. We need to be praying for this. We need to be praying, send us, Lord. Here I am, I'll go. But we sit around forgetting that God wants to bless, but he blesses those who are faithful. And I want you to think about this. Jesus said, I've set before you. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it. What did they have different from the other six churches what made them the only church that God said I'm going to bless you with an open door five of the churches he condemned he found some good things that were going on but he found bad things and those bad things hindered them it kept them from being able to be blessed the way this church was what were those things well there's three things I want to bring to our attention Jesus said three things you have one is he said you have a little strength we don't look at that as a blessing I'll explain to you why. As long as you think you're strong, as long as you think you can do it, you're doing it. It's not until you realize I can't do anything without Jesus. In my own strength, I can't win nobody to Christ. In my own strength, I can't pray. In my own strength, I can't serve the Lord. But in his strength, man, I can do everything. 
You see, because they had a little strength, the right kind of strength, spiritual strength, power that comes from God, they didn't give in. They kept his word. And they kept his word. And not only did they keep his word, they didn't deny his name. They didn't bow a knee to culture. They didn't say okay to the government. They said, we're going to follow the Lord. We're going to do what God says. We're going to keep the word of God. That's what we're going to live by. And friends, listen, this little church, it was a church that wasn't very strong, apparently, in the eyes of people. You know, today, we look around and we think a church that's strong, the one that can do everything, many times we pick the ones that he said didn't. You know what he told the church at Sardis? He said, you have a name that you're alive, but I say you're dead. He said, you think you're alive? People say you're alive, but you're dead. You don't have any spiritual strength. And listen to what he told them. Look at it with me right quick. Look at what he says to church at Sardis. He said in verse 2, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. Here's the church that thinks they're alive, that has a name of being alive, spiritual strength. Jesus says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect with God. You know the church we're going to look at next week, the church of Laodicea, they was the lukewarm church, the church that Jesus said, you makes me sick, that I don't even want you, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. They were saying, man, we're, we're blessed, we're, we don't need anything, Lord, we're rich and wealthy. We don't need anything from you. They thought they were okay. Friends, listen, a lot of times what we look at as weak, what we look at as insignificant is just what God's looking for. Because you see, whoever God uses is going to have to be people who realize we can't do what God wants us to do. We can't go where God wants us to go. We can't accomplish what God needs us to accomplish unless we realize how little strength we really have in ourselves. Our money does not impress lost people. Our buildings will not win one soul. Our programs, they're beneficial, but they can't change a life unless God is in it. Unless his spirit is moving. Unless the Holy One of heaven opens us up doors of opportunity we can't go anywhere unless he sends us and friends listen these people had a little strength but they had enough strength to keep the word and not deny his name i love this quote from warren wearsby he said it's not the size or strength of a church that determines its ministry but faith in the call and command of the lord you know what the call of god is go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel Go into everywhere and teach and make disciples in my name and my authority. He's commanded us to do that. You know, you look at that and it says a little strength. How many of you feel like you got a little strength sometimes? I don't know about y'all, but a lot of times I just feel like I can't go no more. Lord, I'm about ready to quit. Lord, this is hard. How many of you be spiritually enough today to be real and say, I feel like quitting sometimes? I'm going to tell you what, I feel like quitting all the time. <laughs> The only reason I haven't quit is because somehow he's given me just enough strength. How much strength is enough? Well, let me show you. How much is a little strength? Just enough not to quit. Because you know what he told him in that verse 10? He told him, he says, listen, you got a little strength. You got enough strength, you've kept my word. You haven't done like that bunch over at Pergamos who, who compromised. You got enough strength that you've not denied my name. You haven't done like that corrupt birth bunch over at Thyatira. You still have not bowed a knee. You're still standing up for me. You're still keeping my word. Why is that? Because you've kept my command to persevere. You see that word persevere if you got an NIV? It, it says in the NIV that that means to, my mind's went blank. I had it wrote down. Let me see. Um, it means to patiently endure. Now, how many of you look forward to patiently enduring in Jesus' name? 
But you know what? Perseverance is one of the greatest things the Holy Spirit does for us. That the life and power of God in our life gives us. You know why you don't quit? Because you got something in you that won't let you. You know how many times I get up on Monday and want to throw the towel in, the Holy Spirit picks it back up and throws it back, and Jesus says, I don't call quitters, son. <laughs> get up and get in the book. You got to preach next Sunday. I wake up on Monday, I'm saying, how in the world am I going to preach, Lord, next Sunday? Somehow during the week, he just stirs me a little bit here, a little bit there. I just, I can't help it. I don't know what else to do. I just keep looking. For long, I got something to stand up here and talk about in the glory of God. Friends, listen, God's got something for you to do that you got to persevere. You got to personally endure. It don't take but a little bit. Jesus said, how much faith does it take? The faith of a mustard seed. And friends, that faith of that mustard seed is enough to save you, to change your life and give you enough strength to live for Jesus, to persevere in his name. And that's what this church was doing. They wasn't giving up. They wasn't backing up. They wasn't standing down. They were standing up for Jesus. Amen. And Jesus recognized it. He said, I see your works. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to use you. Why would Jesus give an opportunity to a church who don't want to do nothing but come and sit in the pew and listen to the preacher? Jesus is looking for a church house filled with people who want to do things, who bring glory to him, who want to honor him, who want a blessing back because he has saved them. And he's important to them. And he knows that their heart, he, they love him. They want to be able to honor him. And friends, listen to this. It's unbelievable, but just enough strength, just enough faith that gives you what you need to always persevere. Don't ever give up. Friends, I don't know what you realize, but this is one of my favorite verses. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, when God says it's ready, we will reap, we shall reap, if we do not lose heart, if we don't quit. This is the Marvin translation. Don't get tired enough to quit. Keep doing good. When God's ready in due season, you'll reap if you don't quit. But friends, listen, we always want to quit. But listen what he says right after below that. Therefore, as we have opportunity, what's that, an open door? An opportunity that God's give you? Let us keep doing good. If God's given you an opportunity to do good, keep doing it, amen? If God puts something before you, bless that person. Bless your neighbor. Bless that man. Bless that lady. Come to church and find out what God wants for you to do. He's got an open door for everybody in here to find a place of ministry to do things, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do you know how often I come to church trying to be a blessing and one of you ends up blessing me just by something you say or how you live your life? You know what's the most important thing you'll ever do for me is not give up. Say, I'm with you, preacher. We got to hang in to the end. I'm not quitting. I'm sticking it out. I'm going down with the ship. I'm going to stick with Jesus to the end. Friends, that's what we got to do. Why is that? Because, friends, it's worth it. Let me show you why we need to persevere. Persevere. Don't ever quit. Why? Because look what the Bible says. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name. And not only that you have ministered to the saints, past tense, but that you do minister, present tense. Friends, you can't quit. You got to keep ministering. We got people, well, I used to keep nursery, but I'm old now. Well, I used to teach a Sunday school class, but that was before I got old. I mean, I've been doing that for too long. It's time for me to take a break. Show me anywhere in the Bible that it says that a Christian gets to have early retirement. Retirement is when you stand looking at Jesus, amen? Retirement is when he comes to get you and take you home. Retirement for a Christian is not in this life. And it's the best retirement plan I've found yet. It's called heaven, amen? To go to be with the Lord. But friends, here now is when we work. 
Here now is when we don't quit. We keep doing that because our God is not unjust. He's righteous. He's not going to forget one good deed you ever do for his name. Not one act of labor that you ever do to show toward him that you've done to minister to his saints. I don't know about y'all, but it's worth ministering and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to show you something else. Jesus gave them three promises because they were this faithful church. I don't know about y'all, but how many of you realize that some people don't like Christians? Did y'all know that some sheep bite? (laughs) But you know what? We got an enemy called the devil, and he's got children, the children of darkness. We're the children of light. Friends, the Jews who should have been accepting Jesus were rejecting Jesus. The Jews who should have been saved and accepting their Messiah were the ones who were going against them in his church. And listen what Jesus said. Jesus gave them these promises. In verse 9, Jesus said, I'll take care of your enemies. You know what I hear everybody walking around today? What are we going to do? We've been taken over by these socialist progressive liberals. They're going to ruin us. Man, I got news for you. You stay faithful to Jesus. Jesus knows how to take care of a progressive liberal. Amen? Jesus knows what to do with a socialist. Friends, you know what? God ain't up there worrying about socialism. He ain't up there worried about progressive liberals. He's up there worried about lost people dying and going to hell. He's worried about people who are so blind they can't see that they think wrong is right and right is wrong and we're the only light they may ever see. He's expecting us to stand on the word, hold up his name, be a banner for the glory of God and say this is the way. Jesus is the way. I am the truth. And I am the one who offers life, and no one cometh to my Father but through me. Friends, listen, God is in the business of taking care of what we seem to be enemies. He can take enemies and turn them into our friends. Friends, I don't know about you, but one day I was an enemy of God. I didn't give a rip about the Bible. I didn't give a rip about church. I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven, but I sure didn't want to change my life. But one day God got a hold of me, and he got a hold of you, and we're here today. And friends, listen, we need to thank God. He takes that which is an enemy and makes him a friend. And he told him right there, look at what he says in verse 9. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not. And we know from the previous churches we studied, they were the primary prosecutors against the churches in that day. He said, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but the way I look about that, you ever tried to tell someone about Jesus and they got upset? You ever tried to tell someone, I love you, and God says you ought not do that, and they said it ain't none of your business? Friends, God can save one of them. They'll come worship with you, amen? They'll bow with you. That's what God does. He takes our enemies and makes them one of us. He said, that's what I'll do. But listen, not only that, he's told them in verse 10, I'm going to keep you from the tribulation. Not just tribulation, the great tribulation. Look at what he says. I don't know what y'all believe about end times, but how many of you believe there's a rapture? How many of you believe that in, pre, in, in millennial, premillennialism, which is what most of us would believe, we fall into that category when it comes to eschatology, end times. That premillennialism believes that there's four times and places where the rapture occur. We believe in pre-trib, mid-trib, and some people even believe in another trip, two-thirds way in. But most people believe that a rapture is going to happen pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib after the tribulation. This is one of the strongest verses to support pre-trib. I'm believing in pre-trib. I'm hoping for pre-trib because I don't want to be here. How about you? Listen to what he says in this verse. 
This is a cool verse. In verse 10, he says, because you have kept my command to persevere, you've not give up, you've kept my word, you've not denied my name, and you have a little strength. He said, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial, not just any trial, but the one that was come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Friends, listen, there's a seven-year tribulation coming if you read the Bible. That's what he's talking about. And that's a strong place to say we're going to be gone before it happens. He said the faithful church, he's going to present, protect us from the hour of the great tribulation. And friends, if you think this is bad and it ain't good, think how bad it's going to be when that happens. And the church is taken. But listen, not only did he say I'm going to take care of your enemies right there, not only did he say I'm going to protect you from the great tribulation, he said I'm going to honor you in eternity. And this is the best part. I want you to think about it. You don't get your greatest rewards here. As good as God is to us, as much as he blesses us for our faithful, and he always blesses obedience. Obedience always brings good into your life. But God's the greatest thing is when you leave here and he recognizes you for it. Look at what he says. He says in verse 11, Behold, I am coming quickly. He's talking about his coming. Hold fast. Don't quit. Don't let go what you have that no one may take your crown. Friends, there's crowns to win. There's a crown to lose. Not everyone gets the same crown in heaven. Not everyone gets the same reward. If there's rewards to gain, there has to be rewards to lose. Now, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about recognized for whether or not you've been to Calvary and the blood's over your life. But I'm talking about what you did after you went to Calvary, after God saved you. How did you work and serve the Lord? And listen to what he's saying to them. He who overcomes, what's that mean? He who overcomes is he who perseveres. He who doesn't give up. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven. And my God, and I will write on him my new name. Who does he do that? He does that to those who overcome. And what's he do that? Who's he do that to? He does that to his servants. Have you ever really looked at what this Bible is written for? I mean, and what the book of um, Revelation, who is primary author, audience is? I want you to turn with me to chapter 1 right quick. Turn with me to chapter 1 of the book of Revelations. Look at the first verse. Listen what he says. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his church members. Is that what it says? To show to believers, what does it say? To show to his servants. What's a servant? Someone who works for God. Someone who serves him. Someone who is using their life for it. So he said, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified by his angel to his servant John. And he tells him throughout this book, One of the primary warnings is to be ready because Jesus is coming. Look at what he says in verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds. Jesus is coming. Friends, listen. One of the things Jesus taught, one of the things he did overwhelmingly, abundance of over and over, was this. This is what he taught in in the Gospels. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Over and over and over he said things like this. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, He who would have watched and not allowed his house to be taken over. Listen, therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And then he says this, 
Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them their food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom the master, when he comes, will find him so doing the things he ought to be doing. What should we be doing? Well, I don't know about y'all, but every servant, everybody that's saved, we hear it at funerals. If a person's halfway faithful, if he come to church, if he was a good Christian, what do you hear when you go there? He's standing now and God's saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Friends, listen. The great hope of every servant is to someday hear Jesus say these words. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You know what? I don't know of anything better, anything greater that could ever happen to a person than to hear Jesus, the one who died for us, the one who now lives and is with us every day to look at us when we enter heaven and say, well done, you good and faithful servant. Guys, the whole reason for the book of Revelation is to prepare us for that coming day. I want you to turn with me to the last page of Revelation. You know what? This kind of caught me off guard. I had never noticed this until recently. But when you get to the end of the book of Revelation, it's for sure that we're going to get a reward. You know, when you get to chapter 21, he's showing you the picture of the new Jerusalem, the holy city, and how it's got that gate, the place that we all get excited about with the golden streets and the pearly gates, the place that God's prepared. And then when you get to chapter 22, it's not only the last chapter in the book of Revelation, it's the last chapter in the holy book of God, the Bible. And he begins to give you a picture. And listen to what he says. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. That's the Lord Jesus. And in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were for the hell and other nations. Guys, listen. It sounds like God's got the water of life. You just drink that, you live forever. He's got the tree of life. You just eat that fruit and you're good to go. Sounds like it's a paradise, amen? We just live in the presence of God. We don't ever have to do anything. I'm saying, boy, the pure river of water. Man, I hope it's chock full of three-pound sockelet and I get to go catch the banquet feast, amen? That God's got a plan where we just get to do whatever we want to do. But then I read the next verse. And it makes me scratch my head because I always thought heaven is where you retire. Heaven is where you never work again. But look at what it says. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. God, we were saved, guys, to work. You know, you think about it. The most fulfilling things in this life are the things that you work and accomplish by your own ability, by your own effort that brings satisfaction and fulfillment. You know what? When we get to heaven, the greatest satisfaction we're going to find for the first time ever is to serve him, to be able to be part of the kingdom work. They may be fishing there. I hope there is. But even if there ain't, whatever we do, we're going to have blessings doing it. We're there to serve him. Look at what he goes on and says. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. Guys, listen, you know why our name's on our foreheads? We are a bought and paid for possession of the Lord Jesus Christ. He redeemed us with his blood. You are a purchased possession until the day of redemption. We belong to him. We're his possession. He's our Lord. We're his servants. That ought to make us happy this morning. It ought to make us rejoice. That's a lot better than being a servant of the devil. Amen. Because listen, we're going to be in paradise with him. 
And friends, listen, if you keep reading, look at what he says. It gets good. In verse 6, he says, then he says to me, these words are faithful and true. Praise God, they're true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. It's getting near, guys. Jesus is coming. He's here before you know it. They've been saying that for 2,000 years. Well, we're 2,000 years closer. Can I get an amen? Look around us today, not just at America, the whole world, my friend. The church is always in need of something. And God is going to come and bring it. Look at what he says to him. When you get down to verse 12, this is unbelievable. The faithful servant's reward. Jesus said, and behold, I'm coming quickly. I'm coming quickly. He could be here before we get home. And my reward is with me. To give to everyone according to how much he went to church, how much he believes. No, according to his work. I know a lot of people think work. You preach work. I don't know about you, but I want to get a reward. How about you? I want to be an honorable person that gives Jesus glory. You know what it's based on? Not what you believe, but what you do. Friends, at the end of our life, what we did for the Lord will go with us for eternity. And we will be rewarded by Jesus. Can you imagine what it's going to be like for the Lord to say, babe, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things, but now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Come and experience the joy of your Lord. I don't know what we're going to be ruler over. I may just get to feed the hogs. I don't know. <laughs> But if I'm feeding hogs, I'm going to be happy doing it because I'm going to be doing it for Jesus. Can I get an amen? The reward is that we're going to get to serve him even more. So we ought to be serving him now, amen? Friends, I don't know about y'all, but this message here just kind of changed the way I look at things. It don't matter what y'all say or do. Y'all may like me, may not like me. Y'all may do what I ask us to do, may not. But in the end, I'm only responsible to him. I'm responsible to be faithful to Jesus, and you are too. I don't know about y'all, but do y'all not think that a church like that could make a difference today? If God found a group of people who were faithful enough that he could entrust us with an open door, he would change America. He would change the world. That's what he does. Friends, today, I hope you're saved. It's all by grace. You can never work hard enough. You can never do enough to deserve it. It's totally a free gift of God. But I'm here to tell you, if you got saved and the grace came into your life, it's going to produce a, a desire in you to want to serve Jesus, to want to live for him. And that's what he's doing right now in every one of our lives. And I don't know about y'all, I thank God that I wake up and I go to bed and I get up. And a lot of times I want to quit. I don't think I got a lot of strength. But so far, I still believe the word of God is the word of God. I still keep the word of God and say that's what it, I still believe his name is worth praising and standing for. Today, I'm going to ask you to stand. And know today, if you're not where you need to be, the amazing thing, Jesus said, he who overcomes, how do you overcome? You get back up. You know what someone said an overcomer is? An overcomer is someone who gets knocked down nine times and gets up ten. Amen? You know what you do? You ask Jesus for a little strength and he'll get you back up. Maybe you're knocked down. Maybe the devil's beat you up. Maybe sin has got a hold of you. Guess what? There's a God in heaven who loves you enough to forgive you and to cleanse you and to wash you and to make you ready. That's what revival is. That's what spiritual awakening does. 
today, I want to invite you to come to the Lord if you need to be saved. But if you are saved, let's make a new commitment to serve him this year, to get back in the work for the Lord, because God's not through, amen, because he had not come back yet. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the privilege that we're saved.